Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, the last time I was here was about a year ago on a Wednesday. And uh, if you remember, it's all right. If you don't, nobody uh, important. But, uh, but the last time that I was here, I shared with you how the Lord had uh, opened up an opportunity for us to be able to put a TV studio, uh, build a brand new TV studio. And Pastor Terry had uh, received an offering at the end of the service uh, to help towards that project. And uh, I thought it would be right for me to come back and give you a report on that since you sewed into it. But the church on that day was able to give us half of what we needed in order to, to get that started. And, uh, but how many of us knows that when God calls you to do something, uh, he doesn't just do it a halfway job. He gives you the whole thing. And, uh, and so when Pastor Terry in the church here at Peckville had blessed us to the point where we had half of everything that we needed, I just knew that the rest was going to come in. I don't know how, but we, I got home that week and there was a businessman who had called us up, like literally the day after I got here, and he said something, uh, hey, how much do you need for that TV studio that you guys are building? And uh, I told him, I said, well, we've received half of what we needed. And, uh, and so I told him how much, uh, how much uh, the rest was that we needed. And he said, well, we're going to write a check for that. And uh, so in a matter of a week... Uh, we had everything that we needed in order to have that TV studio running up and going. And you, I'm telling you all this because I wanted to uh, just let you know that you are helping us. Uh, over the last year, we have been reaching over 120 million homes uh, in the nation of India alone. And that's not even counting the people that we're reaching here in the U.S., but 120 million households. And I wanted to say a great big thank you to Peckville Assembly of God because of your generosity towards this ministry. And we're seeing God do uh, phenomenal things. And I believe we're going to see God do some phenomenal things here this morning. How many people have come with an expectancy in their heart? Uh, you know, I always tell people we should always go to church with expectancy in our hearts. Uh, I remember growing up as a little boy, I would go to a, a Portuguese Pentecostal church in uh, the city of New Bedford, Massachusetts. How many people know that you can have Pentecostal in your name, but a lot of places are just Pentecostal in name and they're not Pentecostal in practice. Uh, I remember uh, hearing speaking in tongues for the first time when I was 17 years old uh, or 16 years old. There would be an 85-year-old man on one side of the building that would pray in tongues every week. You knew just at what time he was going to start praying in tongues. And, uh, and then right after he was done praying in tongues, there would be an 85-year-old woman that would sit behind me and she would give the interpretation every week. And I remember as a, as a young man, 16 years old, uh, growing up in a, like a very religious church, they really didn't explain the gifts of the Spirit or really see it happen much until, you know, I was like 16. And finally I heard uh, speaking in tongues. But it was always the 85-year-old man that would speak in tongues. And it was always the 85-year-old woman that would give the interpretation of tongues. And I thought to myself, I'm like, Lord, I want to be used uh, by you and I want to be able to speak in tongues also but I thought you had to look like you were ready to kick the bucket before the Lord would baptize you with the Holy Ghost but at the age of 18 I came to an understanding the Bible says those who hunger and thirst shall be filled and so when I started searching and when I started in, in, in pursuit of the baptism of the Holy Ghost it wasn't long I remember it was at a Bible I was in Bible College Zion Bible Institute and there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Reverend Tiff Shuttlesworth that had spoken, uh, that was speaking at the church or uh, at the chapel during that time. September 14th, 1999, I had an encounter with God in my room. 
And then in September, on September 15, 1999 is when we had this chapel and uh, Reverend Tiff Shovelsworth was there ministering. And I remember what he was preaching on. He was preaching on the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And I knew right there and then that the Lord was calling me to be an evangelist. When the Lord had called me to go to Bible college, for some reason I thought that he was going to use me in the music ministry. But the interesting thing and the funny thing about that is I have no musical talent at all. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. Well, I try to strum the guitar here and there. But uh, really, I have no ability or talent to play any instrument or sing. And so why did I think God was going to use me in the music industry? I have no clue. But when Brother Shuttlesworth was preaching September 15th, 1999, I knew that the Lord was calling me to be an evangelist uh, from that day forward. And then on that day, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was 18 years old. And at that moment, I didn't know, like I thought to myself, well, nobody knows me as a preacher. I, I don't come from a family line of preachers. And, you know, I'm the first uh, family member of mine to become a preacher, to even go to college, never mind being a preacher. But I'm the first person in my family to do all of these things. So how is God going to open up doors for me? And how am I going to be able to preach, you know, all over this nation and all over the world if nobody knows about me? And honestly, I thought to myself, I don't have the ability or any talent. You know, I remember the first time I got up to speak, you know, I felt like my legs were like uh, rubber bands when I was behind that pulpit. And uh, I said, how am I going to be able to do any of this? But on September 15th, 1999, I figured out how I was going to do it. It was the baptism of the Holy Ghost that came upon me. You know, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, uh, and so it was on that day where Brother Shuttlesworth was ministering, and uh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, got called into full-time ministry. And it wasn't until, I know you guys are all familiar with Brother Shuttlesworth here, all right? And it wasn't too long after that where when I graduated, my wife and I moved to the state of Maine, and I was... Uh, I became an associate evangelist with Brother Tiff Shuttlesworth under Lost Lamb Evangelistic Association for about eight years. My wife, who's here to my left, uh, and I think this is the first time she's been here with me. My wife was here to my left, uh, right on the front row. She was his office administrator for about 12 years. And uh, so Brother Shuttlesworth and uh, Sister Judy, they're like parents to us. And I'm very thankful that God hooked me up and connected us with great men of God who believe in the power of God. Because I could have, we could have easily been hooked up with some like fruitcake out there. Because there's a, you know, there's a lot of genuine people in the kingdom of God, but there's also a lot of fruits and nuts in the kingdom of God. And I thank God that He connected me with a mighty man of God. And uh, and ever since then, we've been we've been running and we've been seeing souls saved throughout uh, our world, not only in this nation, but even through our telecast. People are getting saved. People are getting touched. And uh, and so. You know, but it was the baptism of the Holy Ghost that came upon me that enabled me to do what God called me to do. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. I'm not going to take too much of your time, but I want to speak to you on, on a few, for a few moments on uh, God empowering us to get the job done. You know, see, a lot of people think that you need to have like abilities and you, have, you need to have these talents and that you have to have a clean, perfect life in order for God uh, to, to be able to use you. And listen, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a perfect, clean life. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't raised up like uh, uh, you know, one of those that never got, as a matter of fact, I was the exact opposite. I got into a lot of trouble all the time. You know, oftentimes when I come into a place, I'm usually the only Portuguese place, uh, a Portuguese person like in the church. Uh, when I moved up to Maine, a lot of people asked me if I'm, if I'm Mexican. I said, like, no, I'm Portuguese. Oh, you're Portuguese. What do you speak, Spanish? 
no I speak Portuguese and um, and so but there's a good friend of mine I just want to say there's a good friend of mine who I grew up with in New Bedford Massachusetts uh, that comes to this church and his name is Matt Costa and his wife Shelly Costner they're they're here at this church they're sitting in the back over there so uh, well not way in the back but over there hiding he's the other bald guy on the other side and uh, but uh, it's good to have him here uh, at Peckville but uh, you know a lot of times people think and he can attest to you that I wasn't a you know I wasn't always a good kid growing up and I was I wasn't the most well-behaved and uh, but a lot of people think that you have to you know you have to have these special talents and these special abilities to be used by God but I soon came to find out God's not looking over the balconies of heaven looking for somebody who has these special talents and abilities number one what God's looking for is for people who have made themselves available to the kingdom of God and when you make yourself available to the kingdom of God then God will bless you and God will grace you with these talents and these abilities that you need in order in order to carry out the job that God has for you to do you know I remember when I was in Bible college uh, I was at a graduation I was at my senior banquet the seniors were graduating they had the senior banquet in Warwick Massachusetts and I remember my wife who was my fiance at the time she was my plus one she came with me and uh, they were doing this thing at their senior banquet they had like a, uh, a projector screen on the wall and I don't know if, if some of you can remember some of you may remember but in high school especially like in yearbooks they would do things like uh, best dressed or best smile uh, you know most likely uh, to be prom king or prom queen you know they would do things like that where they would take one person and make them feel very important and make everybody else feel insignificant you know and uh, and so I remember at my senior banquet they were doing something similar to that and on the projector screen they would have things like most likely to be a 4.0 student most likely uh, to go to, to seminary most likely to go out into the missions field well at that time uh, I received a phone, a phone call from my brother's girlfriend uh, at, the, at the time and uh, when I picked up the phone I was in the banquet hall sitting down next to my uh, wife and all of my friends when the phone rang and I picked it up and it was my brother's girlfriend uh, and she said Nathan your mother's house is on fire and immediately you know when you hear like your your house is on fire you know you start going nuts and so like I'm 45 minutes away there's nothing that I can do so I asked her I said have you called anybody else and she said no you're the first person that I've called and I thought to myself well get off the phone with me and call the fire department uh, you know I think the Portuguese must have kicked in or something like that she was never the sharpest tool in the shed anyway hopefully she doesn't see this live stream and uh, but anyway uh, you know she, I said get off the phone with me and call and, and call and call the fire department well as I walked out of that uh, banquet hall I came walking back in my wife was sitting at the table and I could tell that she wasn't happy and uh, and so I asked her what's wrong and she told me she's like oh never mind I'll talk to you about it later well you know she was using wisdom there because she knew if she had told me what had happened I probably wouldn't have kept quiet and I probably would have done something and uh, something about it anyway and uh, and so after we leave the banquet hall my, my wife she tells me as I'm driving her back to the Bible College I said what well, what happened over there when I left the room she said well you know how they were putting things on the projector screen I said yeah she said well when you left immediately after you left there was uh, the next heading that went up on that projector screen screen was most likely not to graduate Bible College and most likely not to make it in the ministry well 
If I'm telling you the story, can you guess whose name was under that heading? And so uh, my, uh, my, uh, my professors, the leadership of the school, my friends, my classmates, they all counted me out. But thank God he didn't count me out. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God, because I'll be honest with you, I wasn't a 4.0 student. I wasn't the w most, I wasn't the well, most well-behaved kid while I was in Bible college. And believe you me, you can go to Bible college and misbehave all the time. And, uh, and so, you, you, you know, I wasn't the most well-behaved kid. But my desire was to be used by God. My desire was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I, in my own strength, I can't do what you've called me to do. But I'm making myself available to your kingdom, and I'm making myself available to you. And even though everybody else doubted me out and they counted me out and nobody backed me up, thank God that God said, listen, there's a young man that has made himself available to me. And because he's made himself available to me, I'm going to equip him with everything that he needs in order to get the job done. And I want to encourage you this morning, just for a few moments, you may look at yourself and you may say, well, I don't come from any royal family. I don't come from royalty. There's nothing special about my family. I'm just like you, Nate. I don't come from a family of preachers. And you may have been the first person to go to college out of your family. You may be here and you may have never gone to college. And people may tell you, because you don't have a college degree, you'll never amount to anything that God can't use you and you'll never prosper in life. But I've come to tell you, if you make yourself available to the kingdom of God, I don't have anything wrong with college degrees, but what I've learned over the last 18 years is greater than any college degree is the power and the anointing of God that will come upon an individual if they make themselves available to the kingdom of God. Because when that anointing and that power comes upon you, the sky is not even the limit to what God wants to use you in. Can somebody say amen? And so I want to encourage you today that God has given us the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can be empowered to get the job done. And I declare over your life that before you leave this service this morning, you will be empowered by the mighty Holy Ghost to get the job done. Regardless of what we see happening in the world, regardless of the politicians and what they're trying to do, regardless of who is in the White House, regardless of the regulations and the mandates that they try to uh, place upon you as, a, as citizens of this country and as the people of God, they can try to shut church down, but I've come to tell you that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will never be shut down because over 2,000 years ago, Jesus looked and he saw this day and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. All God is looking for is for people who will make themselves available to the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen? Sometimes I feel sorry for the people that sit in the front row because when I, you know, there's some people that they, they sweat a lot when they preach. I spit a lot when I preach. But let me, let me, let me give you a word of encouragement. These droplets that come out of my mouth, they're not coronavirus filled, they're Holy Ghost filled. Can somebody say amen? But I've come to encourage you this morning and tell you that God is going to empower you to get the job done through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to read a few scriptures. Acts chapter 2, I want to read something to you, very familiar to those of you who have been raised in the church. But Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 
one. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We see here in Acts chapter 2 that as the believers were meeting together in one place in one accord, the Bible says they were all unified. And the Bible says as they were waiting for the promise of the Father, which Jesus talked about in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit came into that room, there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the building and it filled every individual that was in that building. And immediately the Bible says that every person, the 120 that were in that upper room, the Bible says that they all began to speak in other tongues. Now, let me just say this. Even though the physical evidence of the Holy Spirit coming into that building and coming into their lives was the, was the manifestation of speaking in tongues, the purpose of the Holy Spirit was not only so that you can speak in tongues. The purpose of the Holy Ghost, if you want to know what it is, you have to go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 before Jesus ascends back to the Father and he's speaking to his disciples and listen to what Jesus says. He says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, the purpose of the Holy Ghost coming upon you and I as a believer was so that we would be empowered by the Spirit of God to, to do the works of God in an ungodly world. The purpose of the Holy Ghost coming upon us was so that we would produce power and walk, as the Bible says, in miracle working power. Because if you look at Acts chapter 1, and you go back to the original in the Greek, that word power is the word dunamis. Inside every believer this morning is the miracle working power of God. A lot of people may think, well, Nate, I don't feel like that. I never see that power manifesting out of my life. It doesn't change the fact that as a believer, the moment you became born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, on the inside of you is miracle working power. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave is the very same spirit that now lives on the inside of you. So the moment you became born again, the spirit of God that raised Christ up out of the grave came to live on the inside of you. The Bible says that you and I, we are seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that means for you and I this morning is this, is that we are literally walking powerhouses while we are on the earth. Now I know some people may say, well Nate, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just like so and so. No, if you're saved, if you're born again, if you've been washed in the blood, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then there is a difference between you and your unsafe neighbor. There is a difference between you and your unsafe family member because the Bible says now in you resides the miracle working power of God on the inside of you and any devil, including Satan himself, that comes up against you will be no match for the power that's on the inside of you. When I, when I went to India, people would ask me all the time if I was afraid to go to India. And I kind of got aggravated, you know, I was never afraid to go to India. But when you have like 25 knuckleheads asking you if you're afraid to go to India, you know what started happening? I started getting afraid to go to India. And then one time I asked one person, I said, hey, 
I was like, why would I be afraid to go to India? I'll never forget this. I was walking out of a church. Lady asked me, preacher, can I ask you a question? Sure. Are you afraid to go to India? Now, why would I be afraid to go to India? Because I was getting aggravated hearing that question all over the place. Why would I be afraid to go to India? And this is what her response was. Well, the dominant religion in India is not the religion that you're a part of. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because when somebody gives you a word to discourage you, God will always give you a word through the power of the Holy Spirit to lift you up and to ignite a fire on the inside of you. And so when that person said that I wasn't part of the dominant religion in India, the Holy Spirit said to me, you may not be part of the dominant religion, but you carry the presence of the dominant God on the inside of you. And so I made up my mind. When I get to India, I don't care if there's 20, 100, 500,000 or a million devils waiting for me outside of that Emirates airline. The moment my foot touches the nation of India, every devil is going to have to scatter like cockroaches when you turn the lights on. Why? Because I've been empowered to get the job done. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can somebody say amen? Now, I remember one time walking into a uh, walking into a church in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. We're getting ready to getting ready to lay hands on those that are sick. And uh, this lady comes up to me at the end of the service and she said, Preacher, I need you to lay hands on me. I'm completely messed up. I need the power of God to touch me. She said, just a little while ago, a few hours ago, something came up, something happened to me in my body. I was in so much pain. I got so lightheaded. And I, you know, I, I just, I knew I needed to go to the emergency room. So I had my husband bring me to the emergency room. She says, when the doctor saw us in the room, he decided to put me to do all these exams and x-rays and put me uh, into this like on a bed type of deal thing like maybe like MRI machine or whatever and shoved me in they did a full body scan uh, of my body when the doctor pulled me out he looked at me with this disturbed look on his face and he said ma'am I don't know how you're even breathing right now you should be dead now I'm not a doctor I'll tell you what I told the first service I'm not a doctor I'm not familiar with a lot of medical terms but I'll do my best to, to, to do it justice but she said, when the doctor told her that she shouldn't even be breathing, he said that all of her arteries were he's like almost like 99% blocked. He said there was no blood going in and hardly any blood coming out. He said there's no way that you should be alive and breathing right now. We need to admit you into the hospital. We need to get you checked into a room. And listen to what she said. She wasn't like everybody else. And by her confession, you knew she wasn't like everybody else. When the doctor said we need to put you into a room, she said, well, we're having a miracle service at my church tonight, so before I give medical science an opportunity to do something for me, I want to give God the first opportunity to do something in my body. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As I'm talking to this lady, I'm even thinking she's a little nuts. I said, well, you should have had the doctor check you out. There's nothing wrong with going to check, you know, but she came. But hey, who am I to, to who am I to 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 put that put out the fire that's in her, you know? So I told her, I said, listen, I said, I'm gonna come into agreement with you. I'm gonna believe that God's gonna do what you're believing him to do. So I laid hands on her and I prayed for the fire of God to touch her. I literally prayed for a, a creative miracle. You know, the Bible says there's miracle working power on the inside of you. And so I laid my hands on her. According to your faith, the Bible says, be it done unto you. So I laid my hands on her, and guess what? I didn't see any special lights. I didn't hear thunder uh, from heaven, no. 
I just prayed for her on the, in the integrity of God's word. One thing that Brother Shuttlesworth has always taught me early on in ministry is we preach because of the integrity of God's word. We don't preach in response to amens and to hand claps and to people running around the church. Even though I don't mind that, you know, I'm an audience participation preacher, I don't mind people saying amen every once in a while, but I don't preach uh, in response to people's amens. I preach on the integrity of God's word. Whether people like it or don't like it, I know that I can lay my head down tonight knowing that I preach the fullness of God's word. And so as I, you know, when I, and this is the same thing with laying on of hands. I lay hands on people on the integrity of God's word that if I lay hands on the sick, then there is no other option but then to recover and become well in Jesus' mighty name. And so I, I didn't hear anything special from heaven. But a while later, this lady, after we laid hands on her, you would think she would probably call me or contact us through like social media because we're living in a day right now where everybody's accessible through social media. And, uh, and so you would think that she would contact me, but it, it took her a while. And she called me up. Finally, she inboxed me. And she said, uh, hey, preacher, I just want to let you know, uh, give you a report and an update of what happened. She said, after you prayed for me, I was thinking she was going to say that I went to the doctor the very next day. She said, but after you prayed for me, it was about a week later that I went back to the doctor. I thought to myself, man, this lady was, you know, she's you know, really believing the Lord is going to touch her, and rightfully so. And uh, she said, but I went back to the doctor a week later. And when I walked into the office, the doctor was like, uh, I was wondering when you were coming back. What was taking you so long? And she told me, well, remember, I told you I went to a miracle service and I wanted to give God the first opportunity to do something in my life. So she said, I'm ready for you to do like these exams and do more x-rays in my body. And so the doctor slapped her right on the bed, you know, and he pushed her in, he pushed her on that bed right into the machine so that they can do more x-rays on her. When they pulled her out, when the doctor pulled her out, she said he had this disturbed look on his face again. And she said, doctor, is everything all right? And the doctor said, well, it depends. Yes and no. He goes like this. If you're talking about your arteries, he goes like this. None of them, are, he goes, you shouldn't be alive right now because none of them are working. There is no blood going in and there is no blood going out. But he said, what I can't understand is that beside the arteries where they, they've just stopped working, they're completely dead, he said, to the natural, right beside those arteries, new arteries have formed and they have picked up the job of the older arteries and they're pumping the blood in and out of your heart currently right now. She said that the doctor looked at her and said, this just isn't natural. And my response to that is this, it's not natural, it's supernatural because we don't serve a natural God, we serve a supernatural God. Can somebody say amen? You see, there's something about the Word of God that when you preach it, there's a power that comes into the room that you're in and it'll reverse every situation that you are going through right now. My wife and I were in Ellsworth, Maine or Sullivan, Maine uh, last week. You may ask, well, where in Maine is that? It's out in the middle of nowhere. And so my wife and I were there and we started praying. There was a young man at the end of the service. I knew he had cataracts, 31 years old. Nobody at 31, never mind 31, nobody should have cataracts at all. And so he's a good friend of ours. I called him out and said, so let me pray for you. I was just, you know, I didn't get a word. I was just preaching. I was just going to lay my hands on the integrity of the word of God. But when I laid my hands on that young man to pray for him, 
there was a lady in the front row who had cataracts in her eyes. And instantly, as I prayed for him, the cataracts came off of her eyes. You know, she was so excited. I was leading people to the Lord who had got saved at the end of that service. And as I'm leading these people to the Lord, she's like, Nate, Nate, I got a testimony. I got a testimony. Can I share my testimony? I'm like, well, let me lead these people first to the Lord, and then I'll let you share your testimony. She said, when you prayed, she's like, instantly, it was like scales fell off of my eyes. And she says, I looked across to the other room, and where the sign was blurry, her own words, she's like, my vision is now crystal clear you see there's something about the word of god that when it is being preached it has the power to destroy every manner of sickness and disease it will destroy anxiety and destroy fear in jesus mighty name there is miracle working power on the inside of you my daughter she's here in children's church right now seven years old we adopted her some of you have heard the story of our adoption but when we adopted her, she was what you call a crack baby. She was addicted to heroin, methadone, every type of drug there was out there. There was even, they even found this drug in her system that doctors prescribed to people to help them get off of the hard drugs. The only problem was my daughter's biological mother never had a prescription from the doctor to be on that medication. So every type of drug was in her body. But once she came into our family, my wife and I made a decision. She no longer belongs to the kingdom of darkness, but she belongs to the kingdom of light. And so when she was a year old, about a year, year and a half old, she started learning. She was learning how to walk. Well, she would get up and my wife and I would notice that every time that she would walk, she had a cleft foot. That's how you say it, right? She had a cleft foot where her right foot would just like bend uh, in. And so every time she would walk, it would be like this. Every time she would try to run, you know, she, you know, she would just didn't look like a normal child running. And so my wife and I made a decision, like, look, because all of her other siblings, she had seven other siblings, and every single one of them were born addicted to drugs, and every single one of them had that same problem with that foot. They had a cleft foot. And I said, not my daughter, not this child, not in the name of Jesus. So I remember I picked her up and I slammed her on the kitchen table. It, well, I didn't slam her on the kitchen table. That was the evangelist coming out on me. So I picked her up and I laid her down on the kitchen table and I, I grabbed her leg and I began to pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, I command this foot to straighten out. I picked her up, placed her on the floor, and I began walking around my house with her, holding her hand, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, that's why it is important that you're filled with the Holy Ghost, because sometimes you may not know how to pray, but the Holy Ghost has the ability to pray the right prayer through you. And so I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I began to confess in the name of Jesus, you are healed. You are healed. One minute goes by and her foot begins to straighten out a little bit. Five minutes into the prayer, her foot is like more than halfway straightened out. By the end of 10 minutes, her foot is completely straight. She's seven years old right now. She runs, she jumps, all without having a problem with her right foot. She's never had a problem and she never will have a problem. Why? Because there is miracle working power on the inside of you. Can somebody say amen? But let me just say this, that the gifts of the Spirit, this power that God has placed on the inside of us to empower us to get the job done, is really to point people to Jesus.
You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, as Peter and John were walking to the temple, the Bible says that there was a layman who was laying beside, beside the gate called Beautiful. And every day he would beg for money. And one day Peter and John are walking towards the, towards the temple. They notice this guy. The Bible says that Peter intently looked at him. The guy reached out his hand expecting to receive something. And the Bible says Peter and John looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I not? But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And immediately the guy stood to his feet. The Bible says, and he went into the temple, leaping and praising God. But in Acts chapter 3, after that miracle takes place, you know what happens? The Bible says, then Peter saw his opportunity. You see, the reason that miracle took place was so that Peter and John would have the opportunity to preach Jesus to the masses. You know, when I was in, when I was in the Netherlands, uh, there was a lady who, um, we were seeing many people get saved. And in that service, there was probably about, I would say like about 75 to 100 people in there. And we saw the power of God touch people all over that building. And all of a sudden, I looked at this lady and I, and I asked a rhetorical question. You know what that is? Like a question that really doesn't need to be answered, you know? And I looked at her and I said, isn't it awesome that the Lord is doing all these miracles for these people? Now, be careful what you ask because you may get the answer you don't want. And I said, isn't it awesome that the Lord is doing all these miracles? And her response to me was, I don't believe a single thing that's happening in front of all those people. She's like, I think that you've paid these people off so that they can, so that they can uh, go along with your little scheme that you're doing here, uh, here today. But thank God for the Holy Ghost, because he's never going to let a devil have the, the last word. The Holy Ghost, as soon as she said, I don't believe a single thing you're saying, the Holy Ghost downloaded into my spirit three specific things about that woman and what she was going through and that nobody else would have known except her and i said well if you don't believe anything that's happening right now then you're probably not going to believe this is wrong with your life this is wrong with your life and this is wrong with your life and all of a sudden she looked at me like a cow staring at a new gate she stood to her feet and i'll tell you like i told the first service i knew this woman was unsafe and i knew she needed to get her life right with god you know when, when we when and when i step into a building I know when there's people that need to get their life right with God and people need to get saved. I know that. And so the whole time as I was preaching, I was preaching towards this woman, trying to compel her for the end of the service for her to come down to the altar and receive Christ. And when I gave that invitation for people to receive Christ, she was not one of the people that came down. 45 minutes of preaching, jumping, spit flying out of my mouth, sweating, sweating up a storm and that lady did not come down to the altar to receive Christ and I was disappointed I felt like I failed in my assignment but then the Holy Ghost stepped in and he downloaded into my spirit three things that were wrong to her and when I began to speak those three things to her she immediately like I told you looked at me like a cow staring at a new gate dropped to her knees and the first words that came out of her mouth was I need to receive this Jesus as my Lord and my Savior See, the gifts of the Spirit is to empower us to get the job done so that we can point people to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And in this final hour of time, my desire and my prayer has been this. Lord, empower us to get the job done. Because I'll be honest with you, we are living, if you haven't heard yet, the last year and a half to two years has been a very crazy year. We've been involved in some very difficult times. But let me encourage you, 
as much as as hard as they are trying to muzzle the church and to shut the church down there is a divine protection that comes around the people of God regardless of their threats regardless of what they say they will do look look at the disciples the disciples they preached Jesus and then they were tossed into jail and told never to speak of the name of Jesus ever again immediately they were released and they went back to their own company and they began to pray Lord don't get they didn't pray Lord show us a new method so that we can gather together without really gathering together on the one building no they said Lord empower us and to preach your word and that signs and wonders would follow the preaching of your word and then they went out the Bible says before they went out that the building shook again and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and what happened that was a different experience than Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 4 when the Spirit came upon them it was the anointing of the Holy Ghost that came upon them to empower them to get the job done and the Bible says immediately they left that building and they went back out into the streets and they began to preach Jesus again as they began to preach Jesus again they got arrested one more time they were thrown into jail the high council overnight they met they met up to discuss what they were going to do to these rebellious disciples who were who weren't obey the governing authorities at that time and so they said we have to do something they, we have to make an example out of them. So finally, when they convene, they tell the correctional officers and they said, hey, go get those disciples that we threw into jail because now we're ready to uh, dish out the punishment that they, that they deserve for being rebellious. So the correctional officers, they go to the prison cell. When they go to open up the prison cell doors, there is no disciples in the prison cell. So they go back to the high council and they said, where they were convening, and he says, the disciples are not in the prison cell. And they said, well, where are the disciples? You'll never guess what they're doing. They're back at the city square preaching the gospel again. You see, you kept telling the disciples that they couldn't preach the gospel, and they kept going out to preach the gospel. And in 2021, they're telling us we can't hold church services. They're trying to shut down the church. You know, look at Canada. They, you know, there are still pastors that are, being, that are getting arrested for preaching the gospel. They're telling us we can't have church. We can't sing. Now, how can you have church and not sing? Singing and worshiping is part of having church. Can somebody say amen? But they can tell us all they want that we can't have church, but it's like the prophet Jeremiah. He said, you'll tell me never again to speak in the name of the Lord, but it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm wary of holding it in. I just can't do it. You know, Peter became a different man in the book of Acts. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost that came upon him to empower him to get the job done. You know, you look at Peter and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he couldn't even stand up for Christ to three teenage girls. But then the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon him, and he became a different person. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will make you a, a new person. I was at a Bible college speaking, and one young girl came up to me. What's the secret, Nate? What's the secret to being so loud, being so vocal, so bold? Why is it that you're so loud? That's what she said. I said, other than the fact that I was raised in a European home, I said, the secret is the Holy Ghost. That is why we need the Holy Spirit. 
because the Holy Spirit will empower you. What you can't do in your own strength, the Holy Spirit will empower. Like, if you know me on a personal level, I'm really a conservative guy. I'm not going to be the first guy you see running around the church and jumping up and down and doing cartwheels up and down the aisle. No, that's just not me. But when the Holy Ghost comes upon me, and I grab a hold of this microphone and I begin to speak of the goodness of God. It's like the prophet Jeremiah. I just can't hold it in. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. And my friend, I've come to tell you this morning that regardless of what the nations are trying to do, there is a divine protection that comes upon the people of God. You know, I went to Cuba a few weeks ago, a few years ago, and uh, I remember the superintendent of the Assemblies of God calling me up and asking me what I was going to preach upon. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't preaching any politics and I wasn't talking bad about the government when I went over there. And they especially didn't want me telling the people that the reason they were poor was because of the government. So they called me up to ask me what I was preaching about and I told them that I was going to preach Jesus. You know, a lot of people make the mistake of preaching everything under their sun but Jesus. But if you preach Jesus and brag about Jesus, then guess what? Jesus will show up and show off on your behalf. So I told them, I said, I'm going to preach Jesus and nothing other than that. They told me the reason we're asking you is because there's going to be government officials that are going to show up to your meeting with the purpose of arresting you. And I told them, well, what's the worst thing that could happen after that? Well, the worst thing that could happen after that is that they deport you back to America. And then from my point of view, that's not the worst thing that could happen. That's actually a blessing. Send me back to America. I don't care. And the, but the worst thing that could happen is them detaining you for a long period of time. And I never went to Cuba with the intention of getting arrested and never seeing my wife and my children ever again. I went to Cuba with the intention to, to come back and to tell of all the good things that God did while I was there. And so, you know, I made up my mind, I'm just going to preach Jesus. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, come around, preach Jesus. Awesome. People get saved. Monday night comes around. The pastor comes rushing in through an interpreter. He's telling me all this. And a lot of things get lost in interpretation. And so, like translating. And so, pastor comes in and tells me that there's a, a, government, there's a government official that's here in the church. We don't know who he is. All we know is we heard rumor that he's here in the church and his intention is to arrest you. They want to, he wants to hear you say something that he doesn't like. And then he says, you know, if he wants to get up in the middle of service and arrest you, then they're able to do that here in Cuba. Well, I never wanted to get arrested. And when he told me that, I wish I could tell you that I was like, well, I'll show this guy who, 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 who he's messing with. But really on the inside of me, I was like, I really need my mommy right now. I really want my mom and uh, but I, you know I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna let the devil know that I that I got nervous for a split second you know so while I was preaching I was praying at the same time I said Lord I need you to show me a way out I said your word says that there there's always a way out and let me with God my friend regardless of the situation you're in there's always a way out with God and so I said Lord I need you to show me a way out so as I'm preaching Ten minutes before I'm, I'm done, I'm getting ready to wrap up. I'm asking, I'm sweating bullets now, Lord, help me, show me a way out. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, there's somebody in this building that has a kidney issue. So immediately, I looked over at my interpreter, and I said, 
Octavio, tell the people here, there's, there's somebody in here with a kidney issue. Who is it? Tell them, whoever it is, I want them to lift their hand. And so he says, who's the person in here with a kidney issue? And uh, nobody lifted up their hand. Now, I knew the voice of God. And I knew I heard God. And uh, so, I, like, in my spirit, I'm like, God, I was like, no, there's nobody here. And God said, the person who urined blood in the last couple days, he's the person with the kidney issue. All of a sudden, I said, Octavio, I said, this person may not even know that they have a kidney issue. I said, but in the last couple of days, they've been going to the restroom, and they've been urining out blood. Whoever that is, tell that person to lift up their hand, and I'm going to pray for them. And all of a sudden, when the person lifted up their hand, it was a little Cuban four-foot government official sitting in the back in his green uniform, and he lifted up his hand. And in my spirit, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I said, God, anybody but that guy. Do you know who he is? He's not for me, God. He's against me. And if he's against me, then he's against you. Anybody but him. Why him? And then God said in a still small voice. See, I yell all the time. But God said, you asked me to help you out, so I'm helping you out. I said, all right. I said, I'll do what you want me to do. So I asked the guy, I said, hey, I said, can I pray for you? And he comes walking down in this green, like TSA looking uniform, you know, except even uglier. And, uh, and he stands in front of me and through the interpreter, he goes like this, why did God tell you what's wrong with me? And so I gave him the religious answer. Well, God told me what's wrong with you because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to heal you. But what I really wanted to tell him was the reason God told me what's wrong with you was so me no go to jail and me go back home to my wife. But doesn't the Bible say be wise and to use wisdom? That was one time right there that I, I, I didn't, I thought twice before I spoke. I said, because, you know, God loves you. That's what I told him. I wish I could tell you after I laid hands on him that he got saved. Power of God came upon him. I wish I could tell you he got saved, but you know what? It gave me an opportunity to come back the next day to the, to the service in Cuba and to preach again. When I walked into that service, that Cuban official and, and like four other Cuban officials were in the service. And I thought to myself, man, I must have really ticked this guy off because now he's bringing his boys with him. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, Lord, I need what, what you did yesterday. I need you to do it today again. Show me what's wrong, Lord. Show me. And I was listening for the voice of God the whole time that I was preaching. But I'll tell you what, towards the end of that service, it's like I'm getting ready to give the altar call, and I still haven't heard anything from God about any of those guys. And all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to give an invitation. But I'm going to give an invitation to receive Christ like it was the last invitation I ever gave. So I just finished preaching after an hour and 15 minutes. I just finished preaching. I preached for another 45 minutes on giving people an invitation to receive Jesus Christ. I made sure that I let loose everything. I emptied myself out of everything. And when I gave people an invitation to receive Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, every single one of those Cuban officials that came to the service to arrest me, they were all arrested by the power of the Holy Ghost, and they all came down to the altar, and they all repented of sin and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Listen, my friend.
There is a divine protection that comes upon the children of God that will rescue you even in times where you need it the most. And one of, one of the reasons why I like the story of Job is because of this, is because Job shows us that God has a divine protection around his people and around his children. Listen, I heard what happened to so-and-so. I heard what happened to brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, but their story is not gonna be your story in the mighty name of Jesus. I've come to tell you, my friend, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, people would like to make us think that we just have, you know, uh, life throws you lemons. And when life throws you lemons, you've got to learn how to make lemonade. Well, let me encourage you. If life throws you lemons, you take the lemons of life and you throw it right back at the face of life. Why? Because God didn't create you for the lemons of life. The Bible says God created you for the best of what he has to offer. David said, I am confident I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm in the land of the living. Can somebody say amen? When my time comes for me to go to heaven, I don't have to drop dead from sickness and disease, but I can just go in Jesus' mighty name. There is a divine protection that comes upon the children of God wherever you go. And don't you let the enemy, you see all the enemy tries to do, his tactics are the same. He tries to instill fear into you. But God hasn't given us fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. And I realized over the last year and a half that wherever I go, whatever God calls me to do, Whatever God calls me to say, you know, regardless if it's like, you know, when I was 22 years old, people would say all the time, preacher, you know, you say some things that a 22-year-old shouldn't say. That's just way too bold. Well, guess what? I turned 40 this year, so I realized there are a couple of things that I can say at age 40 that I couldn't say at age 22. But the same religious spirits I rattled at 22 are the same religious spirits that are being rattled at the age of 40. But listen, there's a divine protection that comes upon you that wherever you go, you can walk untouched by the powers of darkness. Jesus had a passing through anointing. And that same passing through anointing can come upon you. But what do you mean a passing through anointing? In Luke's gospel, chapter 4, the religious people, I think around verse 27, 28, the religious people were so angry with Jesus that they were, there was a mob forming around him. And you know what they said? They said, they, the Bible says that they were put, they were getting ready to push Jesus off of the cliff. But the Bible says that Jesus just passed right, right by them without a finger being laid on him, a passing through anointing. And my friend, in 2020, 2021, in the middle of this so-called pandemic, I don't care if it's the COVID-19, COVID-19 variant, whatever other COVID, whatever it is that they're calling it, I want to tell you that you can walk untouched by the powers of darkness in the mighty name of Jesus. Wherever you go, whatever God sets you out to do, you can have a supernatural peace that God's hand of protection will be with you everywhere that you go in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody say amen? amen. I want to share this one last story with you, and we're going to close off with this. But I went to Africa uh, a few years ago, like about a year ago. And what was that? At the beginning of 2020, right? Right before COVID hit, I went to Africa. And I'll ask the musicians to come up and to play something, you know, not really sad, but something so, so happy, you know. We're not at a funeral. And uh, I want to give God the glory by the time the story ends. But uh, 
I went to Africa and they asked me, this guy contacted me through Facebook and asked me if I'd ever been to Africa to go preach. Now I get a lot of people from Kenya, Malawi, India, Philippines, every part of Africa asking me to go preach in their nation. And you can't accept an invitation from everybody just because you don't know who everybody is and if they're really, you know, if they really mean what they're saying. Well, anyway, this guy called me up or he inboxed me and he heard that I was like connected through uh, with the ministry of Pastor Rod Parsley because I'd been ordained uh, under his ministry about three years ago. And uh, so he thought I went to the Bible college there and I said, no, I said, I'm just ordained under that ministry. He says, have you ever been to Africa? And I said, why are you inviting me to come to Africa? He says, I would love for you to come here. He says, I was a student at World Harvest Bible College and the Lord spoke to me to start a Bible college here in Ghana called End Time Harvest Bible School. He says, you and I have a, a, a mutual friend. His name is Pastor Matt uh, and he pastors a church near the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. And so he says, I'd like to know if you would come to our nation and hold revival crusades here, like outdoor crusades. And so I told him, I said, let me pray about it. I said, the reason I told him, let me pray about it is because, you know, that was just my way of saying, well, I don't know yet. You know, Christians are very good at answering, let me pray about it. And uh, their way of saying no, but they don't want to say no. But I, I, had to check, I had to check to see if this guy's story was true, you know. And uh, so I talked to Pastor Matt because this guy told me, he said, listen, when you come to Africa, you're going to have to pay your whole way here. We can't give you any money. We can't give you any offerings. Uh, you know, we can help you with food. You know, we can feed you. You know, it's like Italians. They like to feed you with food, you know? That's why, you know, I don't stay this in shape like this because I don't have any Italian friends. I have a lot of Italian friends. And, uh, but anyway, we can pay you with food. And, uh, you know, when God calls you to do something, God will always supply everything you need. You know, when I went to Africa to make a long story, this is a rabbit trail. To make a long story very short, I went to Africa. I didn't have any money to go to Africa. And uh, it was still like nine months away. This guy asked me, how much money do you need to go to Africa? What's the budget? I said, I don't know. He took out his smartphone. It was in the church in Pennsylvania. He took out his smartphone and he priced out a ticket from Boston, Massachusetts. Priced out a first class ticket from Boston, Massachusetts all the way to Africa. And he showed it to me. He said, a ticket for you is $4,000 so you can sleep the whole way there. And he whipped out his checkbook and he wrote a check for $4,000 and said, your plane ticket to Africa is paid off. So you see, I knew once that happened, I knew God was in the middle of this. You know, I knew because God provides when he calls you to do something. So $4,000 right there. So anyway, he tells me, he goes, I said, don't worry about it. I said, we'll take care of all of our expenses, which we always do everywhere we go, even here in the U.S. I said, we'll take care of it. Our ministry, our partners will take care of it. I said, we don't want to be a financial burden to anybody. We just want to see people get saved. So he told me, he's like, pay for everything. Then he said, you're gonna, when you get here, you're either going to have to get in the car with somebody else and drive six and a half hours or get on another airplane and fly another 45 minutes. Well, who in their right mind would fly 12 hours to a different country with people who speak a language that you don't even speak and then you want me to get in a car with them for six and a half hours? You're nuts. I'm Portuguese, not dumb. So I ended up talking to this pastor to check out to see if this guy's story was true. Pastor Matt told me, he's like, oh yeah, he goes, I'm on the board of directors of his church, uh, of his ministry on the U.S. side. Everything he's telling you is true. He says, you get there, somebody waits for you, and then you, uh, you get in the car or get in the plane, whatever you decide to do, and you go the rest of the way there. And I said, okay, fine. So I called the guy up, told him, hey, I'm coming to Africa to preach, all that. We get the money, get, buy the plane ticket, everything that we needed to do. 
uh, get the visas, all that stuff, get on the plane, fly all the way to Africa, get off the plane. I get to the top of the escalators where he told me, before you get to the top of the escalators, there will be somebody there waiting for me. I look at the bottom of the escalators, there's absolutely nobody waiting for me. I thought to myself, my, my mind all of a sudden went to the negative. Great, I just got scammed by this guy and I got scammed by the pastor in Pennsylvania. I said, what did I ever do to this guy, this pastor in PA for him to do me wrong like this, you know? And I thought to myself, man, I was like, what is gonna happen? Am I, you know, I started thinking I'm never gonna get back on a plane to go back home. They did this to, you know, they baited me to come here and now they're gonna throw me in jail. So I'm going down the escalators very slowly. And as I'm walking towards the customs agent, you know, I'm about 10 feet away from him. I'm walking very slowly when all of a sudden I heard this lady running in high heels behind me. She's like, woo, woo. And she has a cell phone and she's like, is this you? Like in very broken English, is this you? Is this you? And I looked behind and I looked at the screen and it was a picture of me that they had taken off of our website. And she said, follow me. So I started following her and uh, I was like, thank God. I was like, I guess, you know, I'm finally, this guy was for real. So I'm walking down the hallway. As I'm walking down the hallway, every light bulb in that hallway is blown out. It's getting darker and darker and darker. And I look behind me and I'm like, maybe I should have stayed back there where it looks a little bit safer. I don't know. But then all of a sudden she opens up the door and she says, come right on in. And I step into this room. It's like about half the size of this one. I look at the other side and there's a counter from one end of the wall to the other end with bulletproof glass all across. And I step up to the counter because there were seven or eight custom agents there. One was like 400 pounds and he got right in front of the counter and he pointed at me and pointed like to move right in front of him. I don't know about you, but when a 400 pound guy points at you and tells you move, you just move. And I remember when I was talking to this pastor on the phone, he told me, don't tell anybody that you're coming to Africa to preach. I said, all right. He said, you got my word, pinky swear. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm coming to Africa to preach. The first question this custom agent asked me, are you the preacher that's coming to Africa to do, hold a four-day crusade in Takarati? I'm like, you have got to be stinking kidding me. Out of all the questions that you could ask me, you're asking me if I'm the preacher that's coming to Takarati to come and preach. Now, I was very tempted to say, no, I'm not the preacher. But you know what? I either had to trust God or not trust God. And at the same time, I'm thinking, I'm never going home. That's it. As soon as I say yes, I'm getting handcuffed and I'm on my way to a jail in Ghana. And who knows what jail in Ghana is like. So all these, all these scenarios are playing out through my mind. And at the same time, I answer the question. I mean, I said, yes, I am. And all of a sudden, I took a step back with like this disturbed look on my face because I'm like, man, what did I just do? And he looked at me. He's like, are you okay? I said, I don't know. Should I be okay? And he had this big grin come across his face. And he said, let me ask you a question. I said, sure. He's like, what's your favorite scripture in the Bible? I said, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ, which that is my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. But I was also telling him and reminding him 
Don't you forget who's on my side. I don't care how big you are. God's greater and he's bigger. And uh, so then he says to me, he goes like this, you know what my favorite scripture is? I said, what? He goes like this, John chapter 3 is my favorite text out of the whole Bible. And I said, you know what? Even if John chapter 3 wasn't my favorite text in the whole Bible, at that moment, John chapter 3 became my favorite text out of the whole Bible. I said, you have got to be kidding me. I said, that's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible too. And he said, do you know what you're doing here? I said, no, I don't. He said, this room is where ambassadors and like dignitaries from other nations come to check in when they come into our nation. It was basically like their customs room. And I said, what am I doing here? Like in my mind, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I'm nobody special. I'm nobody great. I live in Maine. Could anything good come out of the state of Maine? I live in Maine. Why would they want me in this room? And he said, you know why, we're here? why we asked you to come in here? I said, no. They said, because we want to know, will you pray? Will you lay hands on us and pray for every single one of us and pray that the blessing and the favor of God come upon us? And here I am, 39 years old, thinking, scared a little bit, like stepping into the unknown. You know, every time you do, you go on a new adventure for God, you know, when you step out into the unknown, there's always this little, you know, I don't care who tells you, no, any different. There's always a little thing on the inside of you that you're like, man, I wonder how things are going to turn out. I wonder how things are going to happen, you know? Am I safe? Am I going to be protected? And it was at that moment that I understood and realized that God's protection is with you everywhere that you go. See, the enemy tried to instill fear into me. The enemy was trying everything that he could to stop the gospel from getting to the nation of Ghana. But then I heard the voice of the Spirit say, you're like this, you know, there are many people in the U.S. who are shutting churches down. They're dropping out of the ministry for fear, for fear of backlash, for fear of repercussions of the government. But you know what God told me? He says, for every person that tuck tails and run, he says, I've got somebody that I'm raising up and I am anointing their lips to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I be honest with you? Not everybody that started off strong with us at the beginning of 2020 was with us at the end of 2020. Not everybody that was with us at the beginning of 2021 is with us right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if there would be more people that would fall off the wagon by the time the end of this year rolled around. But I will tell you what, God doesn't need a million people. God doesn't need five, it would be good. But God can do it with the people that are in this room right now. If he used 12 disciples, 12 fishermen and tax collectors to turn the known world upside down of that time, imagine what he could do with us that is in this room. And you know what my desire is? My desire is this, Lord, may we, like the disciples, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. May we be empowered to get the job done. And I believe that's what God is doing with every single one of us tonight, this morning. He is empowering us to get the job done so that we can go out 
into this world because I'll tell you what the Bible says that we are fighting the good fight of faith there are battles in life that we will have to encounter nothing unbiblical about encountering battles in life but I will tell you what is unbiblical is coming out of the battle defeated why because God never intended for you to come out of the battle defeated God created you and intended for you to come out of the battle with the victory in your hand. And I've come to declare over your life this morning, my friend, that you will go from victory to victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Regardless of the attacks of the kingdom of hell, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've come to prophesy over your life. You shall do great exploits for the kingdom of God. And we are living in an hour with a church is going to go the furthest it has ever gone in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, my friend, this isn't the hour to tuck tail and run. This isn't the hour to give up, but this is the hour for the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ to rise up and say enough is enough and to take every ground that the soles of your feet tread upon. Can somebody say amen? If you believe that this morning, stand to your feet, lift your hands, and give God the greatest praise that you have ever given him in the mighty name of Jesus.